Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Before we get into the message, I, I really feel like we need to uh, take a moment out and let's pray for all those so impacted by the storm. Uh, I asked Lynn Crump before uh, I got up here if he would be willing to come. I guess Lynn used that mic. We're having a problem with that wireless uh, right now. But uh, Lynn's going to come up and uh, lead us in prayer. And uh, I, I want to uh, mention something, kind of uh, preface what he's going to uh, pray about. And, and that is uh, uh, earlier in the week, uh, all the news media, all the weather reporters and everything was saying, well, there's there's no indication, no way whatsoever. It looks like that uh, Hurricane Florence was going to diminish in any way uh, in strength. And the day I heard that, I thought, I'm not too sure. Let's pray about it. Uh, so uh, I put it out online. Some of you that are on Facebook probably saw that. And uh, we started praying. The next day, it went from a four to a two. And then by the time it hit land, it went down to a one uh, as far as the, the category uh, storm that was. So I think God was hearing our prayers. At the same time, there have been a lot of people impacted by the storm. Could have been a lot worse, but there are a lot of people being impacted by it. I, I heard that uh, today down at Charlotte, uh, they got a lot of wind and a lot of rain down there right now. I think Lynn experienced some of that. He had been on a trip out west, just flew back in. Uh, and it's probably heading our way a, a little bit still. So uh, let's pray for the people impacted by the storm and also give some thanksgiving that, that God, I think, did answer some prayer in that, in that way. You know, as, as the preacher said, I just returned. I, I went into the Canadian Rockies uh, earlier this week and had zero Internet. So if you think about that, when I went in, I'd heard about this thing about Hurricane Florence, but it was out, it was out in the Atlantic. So when we came back out, all of a sudden... Justin and Mark and I figured out, wow, this thing's barreling toward our house. Not only toward my house, but it's barreling toward my parents' house, toward my my mother-in-law's house. Quite frankly, I felt very, very hopeless because I was up in, in Canada, and they didn't really care. They said, oh, you're from North Carolina? Yeah, the hurricane's coming. It's barreling at our house, and I felt very hopeless. You may be feeling the same way when you think about what's going on. The only thing I could do was pray. And I feel like, and we are very, very fortunate as Christians to have the comfort to know that we can come to the Almighty Creator, the guy who created the hurricane. And just like Lynn said, he does answer his prayers. Uh, I was able, actually able to come back a day early. I wasn't supposed to be come back home till tonight, and I don't think I would have got back in. Uh, we got one of the last flights to land in Charlotte last night, so that was an answered prayer. So I just want to encourage you to say, Gosh, I know everybody has family, family members who are down on the East Coast who are being very, very impacted, and you just feel very hopeless right now because there's really not a lot you can do until this, kind of, this thing kind of clears out. But the thing we can do is pray. So let's just take a moment to pray for those people, to pray for each and every one of you, and, and also, too, to pray that you fulfill the opportunity this coming after the storm leaves, for the ministry opportunities that we all have and will have to go out and to minister to these people that's been impacted, whether you do that through finances, whether we take the time to take off of our work, to go serve, whatever it is that we do that, and we are the ambassadors and representatives for Jesus Christ. So let's pray. God, we just come to you just knowing, God, that uh, you're in control of everything. God, we do pray for all the people who are being impacted as we speak from the hurricane, from the winds, from all the torrential rains. God, we pray that you would just put your hands over them, protect them. 
God, I pray for each and every individual that's here that's being impacted from their families, from friends who are being impacted by the storm, that we would just uh, take this opportunity, God, to fall on our knees where we belong. God, where we should be each and every day, that it should not take a hurricane, that it should not take an act of nature to cause us to come to you, that we would realize, God, that we should do that each and every day, whether the sun is shining or whether it's a hurricane. God, we just pray for uh, all the people who are being impacted here. We just pray, God, that when the storm's clear and when the storms are gone, that we would take the opportunity to minister to people, to do that in a way, God, that would make you proud. God, I do uplift uh, Jessica as she's traveling from here to uh, Wilmington, that you would protect that flight and all the flights going on. God, again, we just glorify you for who you are, and we just glorify you, the God, that we can come to you through your son, Jesus Christ, through the creator of everything, that there is comfort in everything. And God, again, I just uplift all those who are affected by the storm. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Lynn referenced uh, Jessica, our oldest daughter, and because uh, she works in law enforcement for the state, was supposed to drive down there, and then they said the roads are impassable, so she's being airlifted down there to work for a week. And uh, so we need to pray. You know, I mean, not just for her, but all uh, the uh, emergency response uh, personnel that are there. Uh, the Baptist men. I saw a video last night. Their uh, uh, feeding trailers arriving, and uh, other Baptist men to come in and work in the area. So uh, let's uh, let's just remember all those in in prayer. Uh, they're probably giving us a good picture of what loyalty is about uh, while they're there serving. <clears throat> this series we're doing, uh, regrettably, because we've got an issue in our culture with loyalty. We talked about that every week, how whether it be in marriage or jobs or churches or whatever the case might be, uh, it seemed like there's a deficit of loyalty uh, in, in faithfulness and even in our churches uh, in, in the world that we live in today. Uh, there, there's a lack of loyalty even when it comes to truth. I, I started just to tell Brandy to download this video and would play it this morning. How many saw the video online of the, uh, the weather reporter with the, uh, the weather channel and he's leaning like this and problem is he's leaning in the same direction the wind's blowing. He didn't notice that. Uh, and, and the grass is blowing this way. So if you're going to lean to keep the wind from blowing you over, you lean into the wind. And then while he's doing that, here come two guys just to stroll along in the background, just like, you know, they're out for a Sunday walk, you know. Uh, so uh, not to make light of the storm, it has been devastating. But uh, guys, the news media just need to tell us the truth. Amen. You know, and that's what we kind of go to them uh, for, hoping they will uh, tell us the truth. We started out talking about the problem of loyalty, the fact that true loyalty is really hard to find in our culture. Last week, we talked about the pursuit of loyalty and how loyalty is something we need to chase after uh, in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about the pattern of loyalty, the fact that God is always loyal. Can I revisit in last week just for a minute? If you were to be running a, a race somewhere, if you were going to run it uh, the, the right way, uh, they'll have a, a prescribed uh, route that they want you to run where you're not cheating and taking shortcuts and, and things things like that if you're out running a 5k or a 10k or marathon whatever it might be uh so they want you to follow the prescribed pattern that you're supposed to run well we have a pattern in god god gives us a perfect example the perfect pattern of what loyalty is all about and that's what we're going to talk about today it gives us a picture uh, of what we need to pursue if we look at god and look at christ uh we we can understand uh more what loyalty ought to be about uh, all through the series to this point, I, I've mentioned how God himself is like the epitome or the picture or the definition of loyalty, how God and Christ are that for us. Uh, that being the case, and if you say you're a Christian, 
The original meaning of a Christian meant little Christ. That's why they used the word. Uh, so if we are to be little Christ, that means we're to try and look like Jesus. We're to try and act like Jesus. And that's true also in this issue of loyalty and faithfulness in our lives. Because God is always loyal. Because Christ is always loyal. We need to emulate that in our lives as his children. You might just say that, that Christ is a loyalty blueprint for us to follow. If you're building a house, you've got a blueprint to go by. Jesus and his life gives us a blueprint of what it really looks like to be loyal. God in Christ is like a loyalty pattern for us to kind of trace and, and use in our own lives so we might be more loyal. So today, I want us just to kind of look in a straightforward way at the fact that God is always, always loyal and consider how the pattern of the loyalty of God and the faithfulness of God ought to impact us and influence us as Christians to where we will live more loyal lives ourselves. I want you to notice two huge, all-encompassing ways that God is loyal. Number one is this. God is inherently loyal. God is inherently loyal. Uh, that, that simply means God by his nature, by who God is, he is always loyal. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 13, some of the verses that we're using today, I, I kind of used in the introduction to the other sermons just to point out the loyalty of God. But in Second Timothy 13, we're going to look at, uh, at uh, several verses around that here in just a moment. But in Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 13, the, the ESV says this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now, I'll unpack that a little bit more later in the message. Uh, Another translation puts it like this. It says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. By the way, I meant to mention this. Some of you probably think, well, we're in trouble today. He pulled the pulpit out. No, today I've got a lot of verses that I'm going to read, you know, and I wanted them to be in front of me where we could cover them sufficiently and everything. I won't be as much exposition of those verses, but you know what? That's okay. I think the Bible can speak for itself a lot of times. Amen. If we'll just read it and look at it in the right way, and hopefully we can, uh, can do that today. To say that God is inherently loyal means, as I said a moment ago, God is, God is loyal by his very nature. Another way to say that is just to say loyalty is, is part of who God is. Intrinsically, God is loyal. God essentially is loyal. God fundamentally is loyal. God naturally is loyal. If you were to take the definition of uh, inherently, we could probably say this, applying it to God. We could say this about God. Loyalty is part of the very nature of God and therefore is a permanent characteristic of who God is and what God must necessarily be involved with. In other words, if loyalty is who God is, that also means that God has to be involved in loyalty, that that he has to practice loyalty. So we will apply that to our lives for a moment. If we say we're Christians and we're following Jesus and, and God is our father, then a family trait that we ought to have ourselves is loyalty. Loyalty ought to be part of, of our nature. And that means that we ought to be about loyalty and practicing loyalty ourselves. Look, look at the full statement here by Paul in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verse 11 and 12 also to go along with verse 13 and then unpack these, these verses. 
This saying is trustworthy. For if we've died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So I want to look at these verses and see how God is inherently, completely, totally loyal and how that ought to impact our lives to to bring about faithfulness and loyalty in our lives as, as Christians. First of all, as we unpack these verses, the saying, Paul said, the saying is trustworthy. Uh, by the way, he's going to say some things here that really correlate to Romans chapter 6. So in a moment, I'll be going to Romans 6. If you want to find your place there in the Bible, you can kind of read along. We'll also have it on our, on our screens at, at that point. But uh, the, the saying here is trustworthy for this reason. The saying that Paul is making is trustworthy because God himself is trustworthy. Does that make sense? <laughs> In other words, anything God says is trustworthy. What God says is always trustworthy. It's always loyal. We can, can trust in what God says. Depend on your translation, the word trustworthy or, or sure there uh, means objectively it's trustworthy. It's trustful. It's, it's believing. It's sure. It's something you can depend upon. The, the root word means you can be convinced. It can pacify you. It can conciliate you. It, it, it gives you evidence or authority that you can rely upon. So when, when Paul is saying, this is a trustworthy saying, it is so because God is always trustworthy. We can always depend upon and trust in what God says because he himself is inherently loyal and trustworthy. Second thing I want you to notice from these verses is, is this. By, by faith in Christ, Paul's telling us that we died with him on the cross. In other words, he paid for our sins. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, God views that as though Jesus was dying in my place, in your place. Paul wrote these words there in 2 Timothy. For if we have died with him, and the word died is in a tense, that means a one-time occurrence. Well, what that means is this. The moment you trust your Christ as your Savior, as far as God is concerned, you died with Jesus. It's not a recurring thing that you have to do over and over again. Jesus died once for our sins, and when we believe in Jesus by faith, we die once unto him. We have put our faith in him, and it's as though we have have died by putting our faith in him. This statement kind of echoes what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Here Paul wrote these words, "What, What shall we say then? Or are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means... How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, there have been times over the years I've pointed this out a lot in in messages. What Paul is saying more or less is this. You and I, as believers, we need to reckon ourselves, consider ourselves to have died with Jesus on the cross. And if we reckon ourselves dead with Jesus, we're also to consider ourselves dead to sin. So when temptation comes our way, when we're tempted to do something wrong, if you and I have kind of a radical mindset, you know what? I can't do that because I'm dead already. I can't do that because I died with Christ. And we'll see more about that in just a moment. 
Not only by faith in Christ we died with him on the cross, but also by faith in Christ we also live with him because his life was imputed into our lives. Look what else he said there after he talked about dying with Christ in Second in, in Timothy. We will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. He's saying one day we will literally live with Jesus. Isn't that good news? Hey, no difficulties, no hurricanes, no storms in. Amen. No temptation, no sin or anything. One day we'll live with him. That being true, we ought to live for him. Now in this life that we're living, we ought to be living for him. He, he said we're to endure. And that word means to suffer, to stay under. The, the tense means it's an ongoing act. We're to endure faithfully and, and loyally for Christ. Remembering that one day we will reign with him. And that word means to be co-regent with him. Wow, think about that for a minute. One day we're going to rule with him, co-regent with him. The, the Bible says one day when he appears, we'll be like him. The Bible says that we will reign with him in all eternity. So right now as we're going through difficult things in our lives, right now as we face temptation in our lives, right now as we have challenges in our lives to, to you and I being faithful and, and loyal as we should be in our lives, we need to remember something. We need to remember, number one, he wants us to endure that. Our human nature is, God, I don't like this. Get it off of me. When what we need to understand is if God allowed it, he allowed it for a purpose. Maybe he's wanting to grow you in some way. Maybe he's wanting to use it in your life in some way. But you also need to remember this. Push by the current circumstances and realize one day you're going to rule and reign with him. So be faithful to him now. Push beyond the temptation now. Reckon yourself dead to sin now. Romans 6 verse 4 and 5 says we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, now guys, follow this. The, the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, God put the very resurrection power of Christ in your life. One day, ultimately, we will experience resurrection. But spiritually, the moment you trust your Christ as your Savior, you are risen from the dead. The moment you trust your Christ as your Savior, you're forgiven of your sin. And he put life in, inside of you. So right now, even though one day we're going to be raised, completely experience a resurrection, right now in this life, we're to walk, he said, in a newness of life. And part of walking in a newness of life, not all of it, but part of it should be this. You and I ought to be faithful and loyal. Because we're walking in a newness of life that he's put in us when we receive Christ as Savior, we're to live loyal and faithful lives. Keep reading in Romans 6, verse 6 through 11. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Look at this, once for all. That's good news, isn't it? 
He never ever needs to repeat it. He did everything completely necessary and sufficient for our sins to be forgiven as he died once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now notice what's said in verse 11. So you also, as he writes to believers, Paul's saying this, inspired of God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. The life that Jesus lives now on the other side of the resurrection. By the way, for Jesus, it was on the front side of the cross too. Amen. He always lived his life to God. But right now, he's living his life to God. And, and that gives us a picture in our lives, a goal in our lives, a pattern in our lives. That, that you and I need to also live our lives to God. We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and reckon ourselves alive in living for Jesus. Paul put it like this also in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, I, I died when Jesus died. And then he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the way we're to consider our lives. You died. I died the moment we received Christ as our Savior. Doctrinally speaking, we died with Christ when he died on the cross. Now we're alive in Christ, and I think that implies, among a whole lot of other stuff, we ought to practice faithfulness and loyalty in our lives. That ought to be part of who we are, because that's who God is. God and Christ give us a pattern of loyalty for us to follow in our lives. third thing I want you to see is this. If we reject faith in Christ... Thus denying him, and this is a little bit of a serious thing, guys, might be a little bit scary. If we reject faith in Christ, thus denying him, he will deny the person who rejects him. If we deny him, he'll also deny us. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's a wake-up call for you. That's a serious warning for you if you don't really know Christ as your Savior. And if you deny him now by rejecting him, by, by denying him and not trusting in him by faith, he's going to completely deny you. Because I think this also ought to be a, a little bit of a, a, a scary statement for us as believers because I also believe this addresses believers. And if you and I deny him, no, we can't lose our salvation, but we sure can lose a lot. Amen? Especially in terms of reward. In, in terms of our testimony, even in this life, our effectiveness in this life, if we're living a life that denies him, but we'll lose reward one day in heaven if we're not practicing faithfulness and loyalty in our lives. And, and that's why it ought to be a serious wake-up call for us. Last thing I want you to see here in Second Timothy is this. Christ and God are faithful. We've already talked about that in Red Verse 13, but let's, let's revisit it. Christ and God are faithful. It is who they are. So through faith in Christ, we should be faithful also. If we're faithless, if we miss it, if we fall, if, if, we, if we fail, he still remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Now, and I want to warn you a little bit. That's not teaching because God's always faithful and he can't deny himself. It's okay for you to go live a faithless life. That's not what he's saying. You're not supposed to say, well, God's, God's going to be faithful. He's going to keep all of his promises. Yes, he will. But that doesn't open up the door for you to say, I don't need to be concerned about the will of God, the word of God. I'll just go live an unfaithful life. That's not what he's saying here. What he is saying here is this. You and I cannot impact who God is.
I cannot change and you cannot change the very nature of God by what we do or who we are. God is always faithful. He will always be faithful. And what you and I do cannot impact the nature of God. God is inherently faithful. I can't change that. Just because I'm unfaithful doesn't mean that, that God is unfaithful. You and I, by our actions, cannot change who God is. He, he is always totally faithful. But at the same time, as believers, we do fall from time to time, don't we? Let me repeat that. <laughs> As believers, we do fall from time to time, don't we? Okay. Want to be sure you were either not hearing what I said or being self-righteous this morning. But even when we do, that doesn't mean that God will reject us forever. Our failures, our falling might impact our, our fellowship with him. But it can't take away our relationship to him because that's sealed in the blood of Jesus. F.B. Meyer, who is a kind of famous theologian from years ago, some of you have probably heard of him, some of you may not. Notice what F.B. Meyer said. Three things are impossible with God. Have you ever thought about anything being impossible with God? He said three things are impossible with God. To die... Now, I understand Jesus died on the cross, but hey, took his life right back up. And from the time he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, that no one killed him, he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. He, he went into the glories of heaven, into the most holy place in heaven, and there he represented us. And he, I think somehow his blood was really deposited in the holies of holies. Somehow. But, but God cannot truly die, God cannot lie, and God cannot fail the soul that trusts in him. So even when you and I cannot muster faith enough, his word of promise cannot be frustrated. God always, always, always keeps his promise. I've been using this verse in the introduction and other sermons, but that's why I've been reading this about the faithfulness of God. Hebrews 13, 5, where he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And as I, and as I have said already in, in, in this series, if you read that in the Greek, it's really, really strong because it literally says something similar to this. I have said, I will never, no, never, no, never, ever leave you. God is completely and totally faithful. He gives us the pattern for faithfulness in our own lives. But don't miss this part. As the followers of Christ, we're to strive to be faithful also. We can't just write off our, our lives and say, oh yeah, God's faithful and it doesn't matter if I make mistakes. No, because God is faithful. You and I, as his spiritual children, we need to try and act loyally like he does. He's our father. We need to have his spiritual DNA in our lives. We need to be behaving and acting like him. We need to be following the pattern that he gives. We need to be following the pattern of the life of Jesus and practice loyalty ourselves. So how do we do that? How, how can we be faithful and loyal? Is it in our power of the flesh? Is it in our ability just to kind of muster it up ourselves and, and somehow have this desire that I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be loyal. I, I'll, I'll do it in the power of my flesh. I'll do it in my own ability. You see, that doesn't work. Listen to what J. Hudson Taylor said. He was a 
great British missionary to China years ago. He said this, It is not by trying to be faithful, but in looking to the faithful one that we win the victory. We have to look to him. We have to learn from him. We, we need to apply his faithfulness to our, our lives so we can be more victorious as we try to follow that pattern of faithfulness, that pattern that God gives us. It's not in our ability to do so. All that faithfulness, all that loyalty it is in God by his very nature. And that's why we need to look to him as being faithful. Because God and Christ are inherently faithful and loyal by their nature. We should look to them and practice Loyalty and faithfulness in our lives also. How can we follow? Why should we follow this pattern and try to be more loyal in our lives? Because God, by his very nature, is loyal. And that means we ought to be as his followers. Second thing I want you to see today, and this is where a lot of scripture comes in without a lot of exposition. Second thing I want you to see today is this. God is not only inherently loyal, God is eternally loyal. God is eternally loyal. Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23, the ESV puts it like this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Aren't you glad for that? (laughs) I've had a few mornings I need His mercies to be new. Amen? I blew it the day before. I blew it the night before. And I needed those mercies to be new. And then it says, great is your faithfulness. Another translation puts it like this. We are still alive because the Lord's faithful love never ends. Every morning he shows it in new ways. You are so very true when it comes to loyalty. So very true and loyal. God is inherently loyal by his nature, but God is eternally loyal. I want to show you three ways. Not exhaustive. The three important ways that God is eternally loyal that ought to help give us a pattern and understand why we ought to be loyal also. God eternally keeps his word. God eternally proves his loyalty by keeping his word. He always keeps his word. In other words, you and I can be practicing more the image of loyalty. We can be displaying loyalty and faithfulness in our lives more. We'll learn to do the same thing. We'll keep our word. God eternally keeps his word. Mark 13, verse 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Just read part of it out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture, all of it, every bit of the Scripture, all of it is breathed out by God. All of it is inspired by God. God breathed his word into men and he superintended what they wrote. All scripture is faithful and loyal and true. God always, always keeps his word. That's why we can have hope of salvation today because we believe this is true. We believe God won't lie to us. We believe that God always keeps his word. And if God always keeps his word, we ought to strive to always keep our word to follow that pattern 
in our lives. God also always keeps his covenants. You, you might could come up beside that slash, but promises. God is a covenant-making God. All through the Bible, he was making covenants with people. He, he made covenant with, with, with different people. He made covenants like with, with Jacob and, and other people all through the Scripture. He made covenants with, with his people Israel. And ultimately, God has made a covenant. This is really what our salvation is. God has made a covenant ultimately with us through Christ because that's what all the other covenants pointed to. He's made a covenant and a promise through the salvation that's available to us through Christ and his gospel. That's a covenant from God. Listen to some verses. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. Look at it in another translation. God's covenant is considered so loyal that one translation even calls the covenant itself loyalty. Know that Yahweh your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 In the same way also, this is talking about the Lord's Supper. In the same way also, he took the cup and after supper saying, notice this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. All the old covenants pointed to this covenant. God makes covenants and he made a covenant with us through the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, as often as you drink in remembrance of of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. God always, eternally keeps his promises. He keeps his, his covenants. 1 Corinthians 1, nine, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. How does that happen? Through the gospel, through his promise, through the covenant that's in the blood of Jesus. Through the, you're brought in and called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews chapter 7 is using the Old Testament priest to give us a picture of Jesus being the ultimate high priest. And it says this, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. If you look at all the other high priests, they, they would change. They would live, they would die, they would pass away. On the Day of Atonement, those high priests would go into the most holy place and offer that sacrifice, and they had to do it over and over again. And there were other high priests that would fill that role over the years. But the Bible teaches that Jesus completely, totally fulfilled that. We don't have the Day of Atonement now. Why? Because it happened at the cross. We don't have a high priest now that changes every few years. Why? Because Jesus is the eternal high priest. And he's the guarantor of your salvation. He's the one that guarantees that you're saved because of what he did for you. He promises that we have a better covenant. God eternally keeps his word. God eternally keeps his covenants or his promises. God also does this. God eternally keeps us in his love. 
Romans chapter 8, in verse 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or hurricane? <laughs> or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, notice this, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God eternally keeps his word. God eternally keeps his promises. God eternally keeps us in his love. And guys, that gives us a pattern that we ought to follow also. We need to be faithful when it comes to our word, loyal when it comes to our word. We need to be loyal when it comes to our promises and covenants we make with people. We need to be loyal when it comes to our love that we have toward other people. We need to be eternally faithful in that. In God and Christ, we have the ultimate pattern of faithfulness and loyalty. God is faithful and loyal by his nature. God inherently is faithful and loyal. So as his children by faith in Christ, we're part of the family. You and I ought to exhibit those characteristics. We ought to exhibit characteristics of faithfulness and loyalty in our lives. God is always faithful and loyal. God is eternally faithful and loyal. He keeps his word, he keeps his covenants, and he keeps us in his love. So as the followers of Christ, we have a pattern of faithfulness. We've got a pattern of faithfulness and loyalty to follow. Because God is inherently loyal, we should be, through faith in Christ, follow that pattern of loyalty in our lives. Because God is eternally loyal in his words in his covenant and in his promises and in his love. You and I, let us be by faith in Christ. We need to follow that same pattern and be loyal in our words and loyal in our promises and loyal in our love. God gives us the pattern of loyalty. A few minutes ago, we looked at just part of a passage in Deuteronomy 7. I want you to see the whole passage and then we'll have our our time of decision, our invitation time today. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9 through 11 says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Man, isn't that good news? That's great, isn't it? Keep reading. And repays to their face those who hate him. By destroying them. He will not be slack. With one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment. And the statutes. And the rules. That I command you. Today. Great news. And then something kind of scary. Something to really be concerned about. So I want to close by asking you some questions. Do, do you love him? Do you know that you love Jesus? Do you love God? And, and you see, if you do, that means you need to be practicing things that he wants you to practice. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey my commandments. 
So you need to ask yourself, do you, do you really, really love God? This past week, uh, Jared, my son, sent me a, a, a video clip that he had downloaded online of uh, John, John Piper. It wasn't a message, but it was a, a lesson he was teaching, and it was kind of like showing a PowerPoint. And uh, then in the PowerPoint, John Piper was going in, and he was circling some words. And he was over in, in 1 John, and he was talking about, you know, loving God and, uh, and, and, and how uh, also we're to keep his commandments over in, over in 1 John. So I'm afraid... We live in a day and time that some people think because God loves me and because I trust Christ as my Savior. See, all, all those other things, the rules, the commandments, they don't mean anything because I'm saved by grace. When the reality, and this is what John Piper was pointing out, is this. The reality is this. If we love him, it's not grievous for us to keep his commandments. If we love him, we desire to do it. Oh, not in order to be saved. You can't be saved by obeying the law. You can't be saved by obeying the command. But if we love him, a result of loving him ought to be we desire to be obedient. So are you obeying him? Third question, have you hated him by rejecting him? Man, that's a serious question. Because a lot of people, even people that have never said yes to Jesus, they might say, no, I, I don't hate God. Yeah, I kind of love God. I, I think well of Jesus and the things I've heard about him. I don't, I don't hate him. But just maybe it looks like hate if you're rejecting him. I alluded to, to Jared a minute ago, and I'm not trying to elevate him. I, I love all my children. But since God gave his son, I'm going to use my son for an illustration. If I were to let my son die for you in your place, and you were unappreciative, and you ignored that, and you rejected, you know how I would take that? I would kind of take it like you hated me. Like you hated what my son did for you because you weren't appreciative. So think about maybe how God takes it when people just re reject that offer of, of salvation. God is faithful to who he is, and that includes God being holy and judging sin. The first part of that's great. God's faithful to a thousand generations. But you know what? Because God is holy, that also means this. He will judge sin. And you've got the choice. You can continue to say no to Jesus and he will judge your sin one day when you stand before him. Or you can trust in the finished work of Jesus and your sin has already been judged at the cross. God is holy. You have to deal with your sin problem in some way. And if we trust in Christ who's inherently loyal. If we say God is our Father who is inherently loyal. We need to live faithful and loyal lives ourselves. Through faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father forgive us. Those who are. In this place, already know you as Savior. Forgive us, Father, when we act in ways that are unfaithful and, and unloyal to you. Forgive us, Father, when we act in ways that are unfaithful and, and unloyal toward others. Father, help us this morning to see that you've given us a pattern for loyalty. 
We've got a problem with it in our culture. You, you encourage us in the scriptures to pursue after loyalty, to chase after faithfulness. And Father, we can do that by looking to you by faith, by looking to Christ by faith. Because you give us the pattern of loyalty. You're inherently loyal. You're always loyal. It's who you are. God, make us more like that. God, you're eternally loyal in, in your words and in, in your promises, your covenant, and in your love, as you keep us in your love. God, make us as believers, as your followers, more like that. Make us more loyal in our words and in our promises, our, our covenants, and especially in our love. Father, help those of us that might be struggling this morning as believers because we realize maybe this past week there are ways that we've been unloyal to you. God, help us to bring it before you right now. Understanding that you love us and understanding that you're eternally loyal. Lord, if there's anyone in this place that doesn't know Christ as Savior, help them to understand right now their only hope is Jesus. And that you will keep your promise. That you will keep your covenant. And if they will admit they're a sinner and, and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, that they can become part of your family. And Father, then help them to live more like you, to follow the pattern of Christ and be more loyal in their lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. God speaks to you this morning as someone who already knows Christ, you're already a believer, and maybe you're struggling with some things in your mind right now to where you feel like you've been unfaithful or unloyal to Him. Why, why not come and kneel and just pray and say, God, I, I admit that to you. God, I, I want you to help me to be more loyal. Help me to be more faithful. God, you give me a perfect pattern to follow of loyalty. God, help me to do that. Help me to be more like Jesus. If you don't know Christ, why not? Why not trust in the one that's totally loyal, that died in your place on the cross? We had a young girl in the first service come and pray and receive Christ as her Savior. Maybe you need to be that person in this service if you don't know Him. We had another young lady come up and needing to sort some things out in, in her life. Wanted to know for sure, and we took time to walk her through it. And I think her main problem is she needs to grow as a Christian. She needs to be faithful and loyal and read the Bible, pray, and grow as a Christian. Maybe that's where you are as a, as a believer. You need, to be, you need to be more loyal to Him. Some of you maybe still need to go out and sign and join one of our life groups, our small groups outside. The table's still set up. And that's one pathway that can help you as you do life together with other believers, can help you be, be more loyal, be more faithful in your life. God speaks to you. We invite you to come. To all of you who 
feel like hope is lost You're burdened with the weight of guilt and shame To you mourn in silence Wait patiently for rest from all your pain Remember there is hope in Jesus' name His mercies can be new for you each day And one day He'll make all things new So dry your tears and hold on for that day When every knee will bow Every tongue confess He is Lord and He He will come through for those who have endured The trials you face today are for His glory So keep longing for that day When every knee will bow Every tongue confess and he will reign we will rise and live in his righteousness there is hope in jesus name. as our ushers are coming i want to encourage you to uh to think about as you go out from this place and you live your life, not just this week, but uh, the rest of your life, the rest of my life. Let's, let's remember how faithful God is. Let's remember the pattern He has for us in being loyal and, and faithful in, in our lives. There, there are a lot of tips that we can draw from those scriptures that can help us do so. Man, if I, if when I'm tempted to sin, if I'll just reckon myself dead, <laughs> you know, a corpse doesn't get up out of the ground and go sin. And I know we're still alive and we're still in the flesh, but if you will tell yourself, hey, I'm, I, I'm dead with Christ already, in a kind of a radical way, you can try and say no to that temptation and, and follow the, the faithful pattern that God gives us in His Word, His promises, His, His love. Let, let us try the best we can to live our lives uh, like that. Uh, right before we pray for our offering, uh, we... Some of our ladies are going to be involved in the Kairos prison ministry uh, this coming week. I know all of them aren't here because of the weather uh, today probably. Uh, but those who are, if you would come stand up here at the front just so we can kind of see you quickly, just so we can uh, uh, pray for you. Uh, Chris Prouse is in our first service, so we prayed for, uh, for Chris in the first service. Uh, and uh, like I said, we, we have some others 
Um, Misty Ann Stanley, I think, is going. Uh, also, some others that are leaving to go. Uh, by the way, it's uh, kind of a good advertisement for Kairos. Uh, this morning, I'm sitting in my office. The phone rings, so I answer it. I'm thinking, well, someone wanting to know if we're having services or not. Uh, and instead, it was a, a young lady uh, who had been in prison and went through the last Kairos uh, that, that some of these ladies were at. Uh, and she got out of prison about a week or two ago. Uh, she's living in Hickory now. Uh, she was asking about our Celebrate Recovery program because she was going through Celebrate Recovery in the prison uh, and asking about that. So I shared with her about our, our Celebrate Recovery program. But uh, now that she is out, uh, you know, hopefully she'll come and be with us some. And she called and wanted uh, Sandy's phone number where Sandy could call her. So that shows that in going into the prison, you can impact people's lives in such a way, you know, they... They, they want to connect with you as soon as they get out uh, and all. So let's pray for them as, as they go in to do this important work in the, in the prison this weekend. A couple other prayer requests. Uh, Tiffany Bowman's uh, dad underwent surgery uh, this week. He's waiting to kindly hear a pathology report. Maybe you might hear about that Tuesday, so pray for him uh, as he uh, uh, continues to heal from that. Uh, pray for him spiritually also. I don't think y'all would mind me saying that uh, at all, but pray for him in that, that regard that uh, we know for sure if he knows Christ as his Savior. Uh, and, and then um, Angela Camp, Angela's uh, uh, husband, uh, may be looking at surgery. He'd been sick for several weeks now, uh, and he's back in the hospital at Caldwell. They may be sending him down uh, to Baptist to have uh, surgery. They're trying to get him a little bit stronger before they do that. Uh, it could also involve cancer. They don't know that for sure, but there's kind of a problem uh, with uh, some things being attached because of scar tissue, like with his, with his colon and kidneys and, uh, and, and all. So uh, he's been really sick for a while. Um, our church helped them with some benevolence uh, because uh, Angel's not been able to work, been having to stay uh, there with him some. Uh, they're also raising some of their grandchildren. they got five kids in the home, and he's not been able to work because of uh, his situation. He has short-term disability, uh, but then uh, it, it's 60%, so after he received the disability and they took out health insurance and they took out retirement, a check for two weeks was $265. Uh, so they've got some pretty significant needs right now, and uh, they uh, have their rent come and due the, the first week in October, uh, and that's about $700, uh, along with some other expenses. So what I'm asking you to do, even though we help them a little bit out of our benevolence, um, we could use uh, some more funds to help them. And if you would like to give over and above uh, your offer and your tithe, I mean, this week, next week, the week after that, whatever, uh, don't just put it in the basket today because you did not have uh, advance notice to know to put it in an envelope or anything. So at the, uh, at the end of the service, if you'll see myself or if you'll see Brandy at the end of the service, if you have something you'd like to give to help Angela and her family out, then we will uh, take that and see that it gets to her. And then as more comes in, we'll help out at, at that time. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.